Missouri, the Show Me State, but often known as the Cave State. With more than 6,300 caves on record, Missouri has a unique history between the Civil War and historical landmarks like the famous highway, Route 66. And most of those historical accounts involve abandoned history and ghost towns. Come with us now as we explore the top five ghost towns in Missouri. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of Midwest Ghost Town, the top five ghost towns in Missouri. This is Dan, I'm your host, your history enthusiast, and your ghost town adventurer and storyteller. This episode follows a list of others like it, a series that I call the top five ghost towns in which I take a short documentary. I thought I would follow along with the podcast of these and do an episode alongside each one of these. And a quick disclaimer here as we go into this one. There are more than five ghost towns in Missouri. In fact, I had a good time narrowing the list down to just five, and each town is worthy of their own episode. We'll follow this up at some point with a short five-minute documentary on YouTube where I'll have visual images, pictures, and a video to go along with it. My method for narrowing this down was simple. It had to be a ghost town with a decent story attached to it for historical interest, and that means there might not be a building or structure left at the site. Typically a marker, sometimes a cemetery, but always a historical story. And in reality, that's what this is all about. Anyone can just go online, look up towns, and start listing them. But what about the people who live there? What about the historical significance surrounding the town? What about the stories? And so we start off with number five, Times Beach, Missouri. If you haven't heard of Times Beach, fasten your seatbelt, because this is a modern ghost town within the last 40 years. It's a story that is tragic, but even more so, the story of the town is toxic. Times Beach, Missouri was the site of one of the worst environmental disasters in U.S. history. And it all started with a little dust and dirt on the local streets. Yes, you heard me right. Dust on the streets caused one of the worst environmental tragedies and disasters on U.S. soil. Forty-some years ago, they paid a waste hauler, Russell Bliss, to come and spray material on the streets in Times Beach to help suppress the dust and make the air more breathable and living in the town a little more bearable. What the town didn't know was the chemical being used to spray the streets was a toxic chemical mixture of dioxin and waste oil, which was commonly used to suppress dust on dirt roads and racetracks around Missouri. I wanted to point that out so everyone knew it wasn't known at the time just how hazardous this was. So, in 1970, there are approximately 25 more locations sprayed with the mixture, including Times Beach. And a year later, mysterious deaths of a lot of the animals in the area started showing up. This included over 40 horses at the Shenandoah stables, where the mixture was sprayed around the arena. And then more stories became to surface with birds, cats, dogs, all being discovered around the arena. But it's when the six-year-old daughter of the stable owner became sick that the state of Missouri Department of Health and the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention stepped in to investigate. So over the next decade, the EPA begins testing for dioxin. And important to note here, the dioxin is highly toxic. It can cause cancer, reproductive and developmental problems, and damage to the immune system. And finally, in November 1982, the town receives the first news of possible dioxin contamination. But one month later, total disaster strikes. December 1982, 
The water overflows the banks of the local Merrimack River, flooding the entire town. Residents were forced to evacuate with the fear of both the floodwaters and the spreading of the oxen, and as the town began to embrace what a cleanup would look like, the government announced the devastating news. In February 1983, there would be no recovery. The EPA brought the residents to a locked conference room in a hotel near Times Beach and shared that the dioxin levels found in Times Beach were 300 times what the CDC considered safe and recommended a permanent relocation of nearly 2,000 Times Beach residents. This included a buyout of 800 residential properties and 30 businesses. By 1985, Times Beach was disincorporated and evacuated. And by 1992, the town was demolished, leaving just the recent memories of environmental tragedy and the ghost town of Times Beach, Missouri. Today, you still can visit the old site of Times Beach as the cleanup efforts turned the site into a green space, Route 66 State Park, which offers fishing and hiking along the Merrimack River. Number four, Melva, Missouri. If human disaster wasn't enough to bring a ghost town, Mother Nature usually can do the rest. And this was the case for Melva, Missouri, a ghost town found near Branson, Missouri in the Ozark region of the state, where on March 11, 1920, a deadly tornado destroyed the town and killed 11 people, nine of them being children. Of the deceased, and paying my respects in the podcast, are Mel Mankey, 7, siblings Merle, 15, Olita, 8, and George Box, who was 5. And then there was another set of siblings, Hubert, 13, Jesse, 10, Nancy, 5, and John Box, 2. It just so happens to be that the Box children were actually cousins with each other. And then there was another infant who was born dead the next day who was also a relation. There were two adults, Cora Howard and Francis Jackson, who died three days later from the head injuries. I did a story on Melva last season and part of my Tornado Ghost Town series. You're welcome to check that out as I go into more of the story. But the main part of the story revolved around the flooding that occurred leading up to the tornado. The kids were home from school that day because the nearby Turkey Creek had flooded. And due to its high levels, it caused their school teacher to cancel school that day. Most of the children were doing exactly what children should be doing, outside playing with their friends, and the tornado came out of nowhere. The warning signs and alarms that we have in place today were not in place back then, and the children were caught between the tornado and Turkey Creek. It blew the Mankey and Box children who had been playing together into the flooded creek, and it was an absolute tragedy. There are countless other stories of those who survived, but the loss was great, and began the beginning of the end for Melva, virtually turning it into a ghost town. A disclaimer on this ghost town, it's on private land. My understanding is that some of the rubble foundations, there's a fireplace in one of the homes, which is still standing, but you can't get to it, and there isn't a public access to the site. You could check around the area and see there is a golf course present and sites near the railroad tracks by what is known as Colpit Hollow. The story of Melva is one that we're trying to do respectfully here at Midwest Ghost Town because on one hand, we don't want to make a spectacle out of a tragedy, but in the same light, we don't feel Melva and those who died should be forgotten. We'll cover the remaining top five towns in Missouri right after this. Hey there, Dan with Midwest Ghost Town. Just want to check with many of you listeners out there. How many are familiar with any stories of ghost towns caused by any natural disasters? 
I've done some stories in the past with the Bastigo fires and the ghost town stories like Manchester, South Dakota, but are you familiar with any other stories? The story of Melba, Missouri makes us pause and think as we tell the stories from the past and realize the sensitivity of some of these. Over a hundred years have passed, but we want to give our respect to the families and the loved ones as we research and study the history of abandoned places and ghost towns. You can reach me at midwestghosttown at gmail.com. That's midwestghosttown at gmail.com. And with that, quick mailbag read here. And giving a shout out to Stephen Krupnik. Krupnik? Hope I'm uh, pronouncing that right, Stephen. Stephen got a hold of my Coleman Scott video, Ghost Towns Under the Sand series that I did. And this is really cool. And I want to share this. Stephen is a photographer a good one, folks, professional. He travels the world and honestly gets into some amazing areas like Coleman Scott, which if you haven't listened to it or watched that video yet or listened to the podcast, you need to. The story is priceless. It's a ghost town in the middle of the desert in Namibia, and it's an old diamond mine town. Really cool. It's basically getting buried by the sand. Go check out his site. I'll post it down in the description box below to make it easier to see, but some of you might love this stuff. And I want to spread the love from some of my fellow listeners and viewers as well. He is travelswithsteven.com, and that is travels with an S with Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N. Of course, it will be in the description box, dot com. And all in all, we always say we are more about being a community here than anything else, especially talking about the subject of ghost towns and abandoned places. So with that, let's keep history alive. Stephen, thanks a lot for the email. I really appreciated it and uh, love looking at your material and your photography with some of the ghost towns and abandoned places that you have been as well. Keep that up and let's keep history alive. All right, back to our top five ghost towns in Missouri. This leads us to number three, Avila. You knew we couldn't go too long on this episode talking about ghost towns and not mention Route 66, better known as the Mother Road. Let's get our kicks on Route 66. The highway takes us from Chicago, Illinois, cuts through Illinois, and makes its way across Missouri before going the rest of the 2,448,000-mile distance to Santa Monica, California. But it's the story of Route 66 in Missouri that gives us several stories to go with, and of course, Avila is one of them. Avila got its start in the 1830s, but the history of the town revolved around the Civil War between 1861 in 1865, when the countryside of Missouri had roaming bands of bushwhackers. Now let's pause for a moment. Let's look at this. What is a bushwhacker? Bushwhacking was a term used for guerrilla warfare, and the ones doing the attacking, or the bushwhacking in this case, were called bushwhackers. These types of bushwhacking attacks were common during the Civil War, especially in rural areas near the border between the Union and the Confederacy. Again, especially in this case, bushwhacking makes a ton of sense given the location of Missouri between a free state, Kansas, and Iowa to the north. There were famous bushwhacking stories where Frank and Jesse James were involved, and this of course leads to Union Jayhawkers and Confederate bushwhackers. And this is where Avila's history is put on the map. You see, Avila, for the most part, was pro-Union, and this marked them as a target for the bushwhackers. Dr. Stimmen, an early pioneer of the town and a Union supporter, got the local men together to protect Avila against these guerrillas. In 1861, the town militia, known as the Avila Home Guard, was banded together. 
Now, most of the young men had headed off to war, so they were mostly older citizens. They had been warned that an attack was coming, and reinforcement troops from Kansas were on their way to support. But before they could arrive, on the nightfall of March 8, 1862, over 100 bushwhackers attacked a villa. The rebels surrounded the two-story log home that they were using for support, and after a short gunfight, they burned that building to the ground, killing Dr. Stimmons, Latham Duncan, and many others, while two were taken prisoner. The attack ended when the bushwhackers headed east for Springfield, releasing the prisoners on their way with a warning, leave the state. The attack was meant to terrorize, but ended up motivating the Union to garner more support in the area, gaining possession of Missouri by 1862. But the Avila area remained full of small bands of pro-Confederate guerrilla raiders, and more events and skirmishes happened. Many bushwhackers were tracked down and shot, and soon most began to fear the marksmen of Avila. A story has it that a skull was found south of town with a bullet hole in it. The skull was thought to be a local bushwhacker, but the name was never identified, and the rest of the bodily remains were never found. So the locals proceeded to use the skull, hung it from what was known as the Death Tree, which hung suspended from the tree limb near the road by Dunlop Apple Orchard, as a warning to all other bushwhackers, this was Union territory now, and all bushwhackers will meet the same fate. After surviving the Civil War era, Avila became a boomtown. Houses and businesses sprang up, but it didn't take long for this to all come to a halt, as the railroad failed to be built through the town. And as we've heard on countless times, another railroad goes town in the making. But Avila kept on for many years. More on this in just a second. Another story emerges from Avila. A bank story, or should I say a bank robbery. The Bank of Avila was the target of an armed robbery by the O'Malley Gang, who were notorious outlaws and worked with other groups like the Ozark Mountain Boys. On Wednesday, May 18, 1932, they robbed the Avila Bank, kidnapped the bank cashier, Mr. Ivy Russell, and later tossed them out of the vehicle as they made their getaway. This eventually gave Ivy Russell time and excuse to make better defenses to prepare the bank for future robbery attempts. And as legend has it, he came face to face with Clyde Barrow. Better known as being part of the notorious duo Bonnie and Clyde, it's said that Clyde came into the bank, saw the protections put in place, including the 45, which was holstered on Ivy's hip, looked at him in the eye, tipped his hat, and said, Afternoon, then turned around sharply and left. Now, of course, these are all stories of legend, but the bank remained open and was never robbed again. But it was Route 66 that left its mark. Going right through the middle of town, the old Mother Road as it was known, this is what kept business flowing in a villa, and it became one of the key stops on the route. The town grew more with more shops, a lumberyard, a barbershop, a beauty salon, and several other businesses. But as Route 66 was replaced by the interstate, the already small town of a villa began to quietly fade. Many of the earliest buildings are gone today, but a villa still remains. It's considered a living ghost town along the old Route 66 historic route and worth a visit. Holding around about 100 people today, definitely worth keeping history alive. Number two, Old Franklin, Missouri. We talked about Route 66, which in a lot of ways can be compared to the old wagon trails of the 1800s. Much like another famous trail that got its start in a small Missouri town, now a ghost town, Old Franklin, this trail was known as the Santa Fe Trail, stretching 1,200 miles 
from Old Franklin to Santa Fe, New Mexico. Old Franklin started around 1816 and was named after Benjamin Franklin. It didn't take long before a spring was discovered, named Boone Lick Spring, because it provided saline water. And it attracted people from all over, mainly St. Louis, who wanted to distill it for the salt. And later formed a trail for the amount of travelers coming from that water. And they ended up naming it Boone Lick Road after the sons of Daniel Boone, Nathan, and Morgan Boone, famous for operating the salt business. In 1821, a man by the name of William Bucknell announced in local papers that he was organizing a group to head west for trading purposes. By September of that same year, his party was formed and they crossed the Missouri and set out on what is now known as the Santa Fe Trail. On their way south on the trail, they made what was known as the first legal trade with Mexico, of course, unknown by them that this was the first, but it officially opened the Santa Fe Trail, returning huge profits and making it an important commercial route. The Santa Fe Trail is an interesting one in history. It's used mainly as a trade route. It did see its fair use of migrants moving westward, especially during the California Gold Rush and the Pikes Peak Gold Rush, but state coaches used it for travel as well as mail delivery, and the famous Pony Express used it as well. But like everything good that starts, it must come to an end, and saw the fall of the trail around 1880 with the coming of the Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railroad. Old Franklin, Missouri had its ending, especially with the proximity to the beautiful Missouri River. But as beautiful as the Missouri River was, its wild nature matched its beauty, and in 1827, a flood destroyed Franklin, and the town was forced to abandon and rebuild a few miles away, making New Franklin. Today, you can learn about Old Franklin through site exhibits on site or view the town site from the Harley Park Overlook, which is in Boonville, Missouri. And this location, the site of Old Franklin, is just north of the Missouri River, about half a mile so or west of the Boonville Bridge on Missouri Highway 87. And we are down to number one right after this. Hey there, Dan here. I just wanted to thank you all for following along, and you can check us out wherever you get your podcast, whether it is Apple, Spotify, for others. We also have our website, MidwestGhostTown.com, or you can check us out on YouTube, where sometimes we go off a typical podcast and might have a different video footage. I wanted to give a quick announcement of next week's podcast. We're going back to the state of Illinois and covering the history and story of a ghost town famous for its pottery. We'll be telling the story of the ghost town of Jugtown, Illinois. Hopefully you can join us, and like always, let's keep history alive. Well, we are all set to name number one, but just a reminder that we know there are lots more than just five ghost towns. If you're listening today and aware of another ghost town or feel that another ghost town should have been listed or mentioned, I'd love to hear about it. Feel free to reach out and comment. I thought I'd give a honorable mention or two, especially since there are so many stories to share. But some of the ghost towns that are worthy of having an episode done here in Missouri is, number one, I thought Jollification, Missouri was an excellent story. You can look that up. Jollification, Missouri. Uh, The second one I thought was very interesting was the story of Pink Hill, Missouri, which has an interesting Civil War story attached to it. And then there was another honorable mention that I wanted to make, Bloodland, Missouri, just to name a few. And this leads us to number one, Arlington, Missouri. 
Arlington is another Route 66 ghost town, but this ghost town of the Mother Road leads off at number one for many reasons. One of them being that you couldn't do any research on ghost towns throughout Missouri without mentioning Arlington. It was quite literally on every ghost town list and is mentioned quite regularly. Originally called Little Piney and established in 1867, the name Arlington finally stuck to honor General Robert E. Lee of the Confederacy, as it was the same name as Lee's plantation in Virginia. But the real calling for Arlington was Route 66 passing through town. It was the last section of the Mother Road to be paved in 1931, and it became a popular resort destination, especially for fishermen who came to the area to fish on the Gasconade and the Little Piney Rivers. Arlington became its own popular destination, especially after Fort Leonard Wood Military Base was built. There were tourist cabins, restaurants, a service station, and a bus stop. Even the resorts have popular amenities, like a steam-fed swimming pool, tennis courts, dancing, boating, fishing, and many more recreational activities. But it all began to change around 1946, when Route 66 was rerouted. Now I'm going to stop here for a moment to reflect upon a movie that does a good job telling the story of this in a very roundabout way. The animation film by Disney and Pixar, Cars, takes place in the setting of a town called Radiator Springs. And even though Radiator Springs is not Arlington, it still got its inspiration from the old Road 66 trail. And it's countless stories of these ghost towns along Road 66 that brings this movie to life. The main character, Lightning McQueen, I don't know if any of you have seen this or remember this, but he finds himself lost in the back roads at night after a mishap with his trailer, and he ends up on Route 66 and discovers a lost and forgotten town. It still has its old service and gas stations and shops, and they're waiting, waiting, just waiting for the crowds that once found itself frequently going through the town and going to its local businesses, but now rerouted to a different route, Radiator Springs was completely bypassed, and the town slowly fades into ghost town status. And this is the story of Arlington. Route 66 is rerouted because they began widening the route and it completely bypassed the original 1923 U.S. 66 road bridge when it went to a four-lane highway, which all occurred in 1952. So there's all these construction and changes happening. And eventually, this was really merely the beginning of the end as the interstate passed it entirely in the 60s, left it completely cut off and a dead end. Resorts like the Stony Dell Resort were lost during the construction phase of the freeway, leaving most of the businesses, cabins, and restaurants abandoned. And today, Arlington exists as only a handful of residents with a story of the past, linking it to the classic story of Route 66. Exploring these forgotten towns in Missouri and unveiling some of their stories and remembering their past was a light gloss over. We can always tell more and always take deeper dives individually which we hope to do as we carry on with our mission statement, keeping history alive, or at least we strive to do this. As we conclude our journey through the top five ghost towns of Missouri, it's fascinating to see how time has frozen in these once thriving places. The stories of human prosperity, hardship, and in some cases, tragedy 
point to other lessons to be learned. If you're feeling a sense of adventure, consider taking a road trip to one of these ghost towns yourself. Just be sure to respect the history and follow the ghost towning creed concerning private property and leaving things how you found them. After all, these towns were once vibrant communities with lives and loved ones still attached, even if by a memory. And exploring and researching and retelling the stories, we pay homage to the resilience of the people who built them or still reside there or nearby. Let's keep history alive. This is Midwest Ghost Town.